Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show. Next up, Eyes Wide Open with Janessa and SJ. Let's bring Janessa on to reintroduce herself, the show, and what's up for today. Welcome to Eyes Wide Open. We are multifaceted beings living in a multidimensional existence, and we hold the power of perception. This power alone paints our reality. Perception influences the things we see and the things we don't see. Together, we'll explore the mystical and the material, the metaphysical and the physical, the supernatural and the concrete, the seen and the unseen. Hi, I'm your host, Janessa Finley Ford, an empowerment coach and I guide healers, leaders, and high achievers to turn their obstacles into outcomes, their setbacks into success, their trials into triumphs as they master the art of being human. I'm so excited to be back with you guys live here today. November has been a wild, crazy month. So it's good to be here with the News for the Soul family. And gosh, the last time we were together was for the birthday episode on the first and then Tech glitches, I sent in the wrong audio file, and then you got the right audio file last week. So I hope you guys have had an amazing month. If you celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope your holiday was amazing as well. This month has been packed full of lots of awesome opportunities. So for my Facebook friends, there was a fall extravaganza with a live healing demo Um, If you're interested in being able to access that, you can connect with me on Facebook, and I would love to send you the link. Um, It's really powerful. It's such an amazing testament to what the energy healing work can do and hearing what opened up for that person after that session. Um, I got to connect with them today. just gave me, like, full body chills. It's been so incredible. Uh, You also got a tiny little flavor of the master class that I had this past month, Resurrection, Rising from Life's Challenges. Super well equipped to talk on that topic after the last two years of my life, and so I wanted to share that genius with everyone. So if you're interested in that, you can still access the two classes that were held. Um, So let's get into today. So today's format, I am taking callers. We're going to talk about help, asking for help. Such a basic, (laughs) basic thing in our life, right? But it can be so challenging for so many reasons. So we are going to talk about help from all sorts of angles, from how personality in the Enneagram predisposes us to being very helpful or being very help adverse. We're going to talk about the psychology and what research says about help. We're going to get into some really tangible ways that you can flex your muscle of asking for help so that it becomes easier. We're going to talk about some mindset around asking for help. And hopefully by the end of this 55 minutes, you guys will be looking at asking for help from a whole different perspective. And because our whole topic is asking for help, of course I'm taking callers because I'm here to support you and help you navigate whatever it is that you're going through. So this is not topic-specific 
If you're feeling a little stuck, if you're feeling weighed down from the holidays, if you're feeling tense, frustrated, if you're feeling good and you want to take it to great, jump on the phone and call in. Or if you have questions, send them my way too, and we'll get into all of that. So our topic today is going to be asking for help. I really dug deep for a funny story, and I feel like I'm letting you guys down if I'm just being honest. Can I just own my feelings? Like, I'm not, I know sometimes we get in, especially with guests, and they're like, I'm not really sure if this story is funny. But I think it's a great example, at least, like, I'll make fun of myself a little bit, not in a way that's putting me down, but in a way that highlights my growth. So I am all of 5'3", if I stand up really, really tall and wear some thick shoes, which means top shelves of anything is in itself a comical experience. And when I was younger, jumping was definitely the way to go. Like, I'm just going to use my ups, and I'm going to keep jumping and plucking at it until I can get it off the top shelf. Now, if I have any other short friends out there listening, I'm, I'm sure you're feeling me, right? Like, the struggle is real. And I actually, like, side comment, this might be the funniest thing of this whole story, but I had someone comment. I took some photos with SJ. They're, they're, one of them is posted on the News for the Soul website. SJ is not 5'3". Just not even close to 5'3". And I have my favorite heels in the world are platform heels, probably four inches tall. They, I've had them for so many years, like 15, 20 years, for forever, and they're super comfy. They're comfier than normal heels. So, of course, I chose those heels because I wanted to not have, like, stair steps in this picture, and I wanted to make it easier for the t- photographer to capture us. And I had someone comment on the photo about what would be an appropriate place to wear the heels or whatever. And my response to that comment was like, everyone who is short needs a pair of these so that they can take pictures with their business partner who towers over them and to reach things off the top shelf. So like, if I don't want to get a step stool out, I can get my heels out and I can get stuff off the top shelf at my house. But I don't really pack those heels with me everywhere I go, like to the store. So I used to be the individual that instead of bothering a shopper, a fellow shopper who might have several inches on me to assist me with getting something off the top shelf, I would be the person that would climb the shelves. Like, it's fine. I can get it myself. I don't need anybody's help. And hopefully this shelving unit can support the extra weight because I'm going in and I'm doing it. So I would be that person in the store. I'm no longer that person in the store. I will ask for help unless there's no one around. And then it's maybe a 50-50 if I'm going to look for someone or just go for it. Uh, So anyway, I hope my short friends out there can feel me. And I hope that if you're climbing those shelves at the store, you're doing it very safely. Because I would love to say I've had a real-life experience where the shelf has collapsed and things have fallen off. I think that would make the story a lot more colorful and enjoyable and indulgent. I, I have yet to have that experience. If the shelf has ever faltered, there hasn't been anything on it for anything crazy and devastating to happen. So why is it that asking for help is... <laughs> 
something that we're so adverse to. And we talked about, we'll talk about it a little bit more, a little later, but we talked about the universal law of giving and receiving. And even though it is the opposite energies that need to be exchanged and shared in the world around us, it can be seen for the giving energy to be more honorable, more powerful. We can attach all sorts of meaning to that. We're going to get into that a little bit. So some of the misconceptions of asking for help include the belief that we're going to burden others. And we don't want to be a burden to people. And so because we're a burden to people, we're just going to carry all of our stuff on our own. And by carry our stuff, I just mean do whatever it is that would be easier if we had some help. And, you know, that driving force of not being an inconvenience to other people rather than letting other people decide (laughs) for themselves if it's an inconvenience or if it fills them and lights them up to help. Because the truth is that we're community people. We talk about that all the time on here, the unity. We need each other. We need to be together. And we can't give help if someone isn't receiving it. So sometimes you just have to open yourself to being the receiver and let go of the illusion that it could be a burden or an inconvenience for other people. In fact, I had a flat, a very flat tire, a very, very flat tire. Monday night, I was going to leave to go to yoga on the full moon. I was going to meet SJ and surprise her. I was so delighted and excited about myself. (laughs) And I got in my car and all of the lights and sirens started chiming at me. And I'm like, ooh, that's weird that I would have low tire pressure. I just aired my tires up randomly two days prior. And I got out to look. Sometimes the beads on my wheels don't feel, so I'll have a slow leak. But this was, this was like flat, flat, guys. Like, there's no air in this tire. So I'm thinking in my head, oh, my gosh, there's probably shrapnel in my tire or something major. And the tires are destroyed. And so I had a meeting yesterday, and I I really dye my hair blonde for a reason because I did not even think about whether I have a spare tire. And I know how to change the tire. I could put a spare on. But I didn't think about that until last night after I got home from the ride that I got to go to my meeting. So I reached out to the group that I was meeting with and had to really step into my belief and mindset that there are people who want to help me. This doesn't mean anything about me. Like life circumstances are what they are. And so I asked if anyone would be available and willing to give me a ride. And the person who responded was like, of course, I actually stable my horse just like a mile from my house and was going to be in the area visiting the horse anyway. So, of course, I'll pick you up. No big deal. And where the meeting is held isn't very far from my house, so it's not a long drive out of their way to bring me back home. So I could have fallen into that, like, this is going to burden someone and they're going to have to go way out of their way and it's going to inconvenience them. And it was literally less than a mile, like, the way that they would have 
had to go to get to the meeting. It was less than a mile out of their way to pick me up from where their horse was at the stable. So this is where we just like let the universe support us, let God provide for us because it's all just available at our fingertips. Another misconception that we hold about asking people for help is underestimating their willingness. And we'll tell ourselves a story that nobody's going to want to help us or somebody's just going to do it out of obligation. Not obligation energy does not feel good either, if we're being real. Um, But more often than not, there is someone there who wants to help willing. A great example of this is my recent running out of gas story where the person right behind me in traffic, when I assumed that they were going to be really irritated with the irresponsible rider who nobody knows there's not a gas gauge on my motorcycle, was more than willing to help and was like, oh, do you need a ride? Do you want a ride? Let me help you. So I really felt a huge shift in that with my mindset when I started embracing that belief that there really are people who want to help me. There's help available all the time, all around me. And then it starts showing up for you. Our belief system and our mind is so, so, so powerful. Another misconception around asking for help is that it makes us vulnerable. It it opens us, right? Because we're asking for something Are we going to get it or are we not? And then there's an element as well if there's hardship involved, if there's a reason that we're, it's something that we could typically provide for ourselves, like driving myself to the place, (laughs) then there's the lack that can come up and with that can come shame fear, like there's so many other emotions that play into our vulnerability around the story of why we can't do it for ourselves in the first place. And oftentimes, we don't necessarily take it that far to acknowledge those things, right? When we're in a situation where life would be easier if we would invite someone in to help us, we'll just be like, and not really explore why it is. So if you get nothing else from this episode, I hope that you will, the next time you're needing help, take a moment and reflect if you feel that in your gut or in your heart and you just don't want to reach out, why? Ask yourself why and explore your inner terrain, your inner world and see what comes up for you that gets in the way. What is it that you can set aside? to step into being comfortable in receiving. So not only does asking for help make us vulnerable in that aspect, we also have to let go of the reins and relinquish control. Because if we're asking for help, we don't always get to have the help come in the exact way, at the exact time, in the exact vehicle that we want it to. Sometimes help is going to look like something we might not have ever thought or doing something in a process that might seem backward to us, not the way we would do it. And we just have to 
let go and trust. Receive, know it's all working out for us. You might even learn something new. In fact, if someone does something completely opposite, different way than you, it might be something that you'll want to do in the future. That way might work better for you. Amazing gifts and blessings can come when we release control. The feels. Oh, the feels that can come up with asking for help. So I talked about this a little bit with the shame, but asking for help makes us vulnerable and it opens us to the possibility that someone might say no to us, right? And if we take that being told no personally, it can feel like rejection. And then we're dealing with our hurt feelings over someone declining to help us and feeling rejected that they don't want to help us, whatever story we make it about, when it might not even be an issue of want, right? But depending upon what your stories are, if you had someone in your household that never wanted to help you when you were younger, all of that stuff can get re-triggered in these little minuscule daily happenings. The assumption that people are just going to say no in the first place can shut you down from even wanting to ask for help. I watched this amazing TED Talk so many years ago that has stuck with me for forever. And there was one example that I thought was so freaking hilarious. But the TED Talk was about essentially desensitizing yourself to being told no. And salespeople are also told to practice this. In the sales world, there is an exercise of calling, essentially cold calling, 100 people and asking them if they're interested in their service or their product and, you know, seeing how many no's they can get just to build the resiliency to hearing no and being able to flex that muscle, that it's not a personal thing. It's just not a good fit. Okay, no. So the TED Talk was much to the same theme. It was a little bit funnier, though, because it suggested that for you to get comfortable with asking for help or asking in general, it's to get used to being told no by asking for things that you're never going to get a yes for. And they gave, I don't know, whatever examples. I remember one specifically, the funny one. I'm going to share it with you. But what are some ways that you could think of right now that you could go and ask someone for something, knowing that you're going to get a no, just to build that expectancy, but not so much to build the expectancy as the openness, right? Like, it doesn't mean anything about you. You're expecting a no, and it's fine. You're going to go on with your day. Hopefully, they get a laugh. You feel no other way. Perfect, right? Um, Maybe going and asking someone randomly when you're getting your coffee for $1,000. And if they said yes, like, wouldn't that be amazing? (laughs) That would be a great day. Um, So think about what ways could you go and ask for something that you know is absolutely going to be a no. The example in the TED Talk was fast food. And I, sadly, I just am not a fast food connoisseur, so I've never had the opportunity to do this. But they suggested, as one of their examples, when you order your meal, whatever that you get at fast food, 
in the world prior to COVID, refills were free on the drink. I don't know if that's still a thing or not, but maybe it is. So, you know, you could get a drink for free or refill. <laughs> but what about the sandwich? Like, eat your sandwich. That was their suggestion. And I found it so funny. I could just picture it in my head, like, going back to the counter and being like, could I get a refill on the sandwich, please? A free refill? You're going to be told no, right? I don't know how many times in the beginning of flexing my muscle, getting comfortable, asking for help, I expected a no. And it didn't mean anything about me. Like, I was open to receive a yes. I was so shocked and floored when I got a yes. It was amazing. And so I think that it's really this energetic posture of being open to receive because you're going to be surprised when you start doing this, how many yeses you really actually get. Um, So I have a couple more misconceptions on why we tend to not ask for help. I've had several questions come in, so once I get through all of these misconceptions, we'll move over to the questions, and then we'll get into the psychology of asking for help and what it really actually does. So another misconception of asking for help that can prevent people from stepping forward in that way is being viewed as weak or incompetent. And we talked about assigning the meaning, right? The shame, I'm not good enough. Uh, It's so interesting as adults. We hold this expectation that we know how to do everything. We should know how to do everything. And let's make that learning process super quick or not existent at all. This is such a common theme. I work with clients with mindset time and time and time again. There is somehow when we go from being a child and growing up and we're encouraging of children, right? Like, They're learning to crawl, good job, you're doing a great job, and then they take their first step, and then they're walking across the room. And there's nothing but encouragement given to them as they explore the world around them and learn new things. But then somewhere along our path, once we become human adults, we magically also become the knowers of all of the things without learning the thing that we should just know it all and not have to ask for help or embrace the learning curve. (laughs) Maybe it all should just magically poof itself into completion. And then the last misconception is not so much a misconception of the mind, but the cultural impact. So depending upon your cultural background, and I also mentioned, you know, family background as well, and how helping, the helping dynamic within your family went, via gender, this will also play into personality. Hopefully we'll have time to get into that as well. Cultures are either more individualistic or more collective. And those collective cultures will embrace helping and asking for help so much more than the individualistic cultures. So looking at the culture and the family that you were raised in is going to also form your beliefs around asking for help. So with that, let's get into some questions. We have a question from Andrea in New York. Hello, Andrea. Thank you so much for listening and being here and for sending in a question. So you wrote, I can't bring myself to ask for help unless I'm at death's door 
how do I cancel the program I'm running? This is a great question. Like we will put ourselves last, right? So the very, very, very like there's no other options and it's absolutely dire. And so first of all, I think that the fact you're reaching out and asking this question is so beautiful. And I just want to acknowledge the fact that you just asked for help and that is profound and amazing. And so first of all, can you start to integrate this into your daily life of these little asks, asking for information, asking for little things that don't feel like they would be whatever the misconception is that holds you back, be shameful or burdensome to people. Because the more that you ask for help, the more it's not going to feel like a big deal. And then the less that you will wait until the very last, last, last dire straight moment to ask for help. Also would encourage leaning in to Asking yourself when you're navigating different circumstances, what would you tell a friend to do if they were standing in your shoes? Would you tell them to ask for help? Giving yourself the advice that you would give someone else. So as you lean into feeling worthy and deserving of all things good and all forms and help in all the ways, sometimes that comes through just shifting our filter a little bit of how we're looking at the situation. Because oftentimes the things we tell ourselves, we'd never tell a friend. Oftentimes the way we navigate our own situation isn't the way that we would encourage someone else if they came to us wanting advice to navigate the similar situation in their life. But overall, I'm gonna give some tangible ways to make asking for help easier, building that habit from a mindset standpoint of just like receiving and asking is a normal daily flow. I'm also going to give an, an analogy at the end that I hope will be a massive reframe for everyone to look at this from a completely different angle as well. So I hope that helps you move forward with that, Andrea. And, you know, I love tapping <laughs> for everything. SJ's light column activation is also a powerful way to move through different um, emotions out of the nervous system, change the mindset, shift that. So either the tapping or the light column activation are great ways to help change the brain patterning and programming, the neural networks, that will support you in asking for help sooner than being at dust doorstep. Tracy in Ontario. Hi, Tracy. I hope you are so well this evening. Thank you for being here. Your question, I am asking myself why it's hard to ask for help and it's a total blind spot. How do I get the answer? Mm. That's a great question, too. So oftentimes, what lies in the unconscious mind will take a little while to bubble to the surface. And so how do you get the answer? I would encourage you 
to, you know, if you're really committed to the self-discovery on your own, to do a couple different things. Journaling is great. Also just holding that intention. And it might take a couple days for it to bubble up to the surface, but it'll come. Just holding that belief that you will find the information that is meant for you to move you forward. Um, And then, of course, paying attention to the signs, right, the signs around us. So I don't think I shared the story about my fire alarm. Um, And if I did, then you guys are going to get to hear it again. So I recently, it was a couple months ago, I think, the battery was low in my fire detector. No big deal, right? Like that just happens, change out the battery, go on with life. And I had a podcast recording that day. So the battery had to get changed by a certain amount of time. Now, I have the cathedral ceilings in my house. I think that's what they're called, which means they're high. And if you if you did join me at the beginning of this episode, I'm short. <laughs> and I got my ladder and I got the cover of the fire detector off, but I didn't have the hand strength of all the strength in scaling the shelves at the stores, my hand strength is not where, it at, where it's at. I couldn't get the battery compartment open. And so as I'm sitting, listening to it chirp and deep at me, deciding how am I going to troubleshoot this, I finally had the realization of, oh, it's a sign. Like it's a sign to something bigger. Changing a battery in a fire detector should not be this hard. So clearly this is, there's something more to see here than what meets the eye. So I looked up, you know, what is the spiritual meaning of a fire alarm detector, low battery, whatever. And it was, you know, a warning naturally, right? Like it's a warning of something you're overlooking that you're not seeing. And I held the inquiry, like it drove me crazy. I'm like, This is clearly for a reason. And also speaking of asking for help, I had to ask a neighbor to help me. And at first I was like, you can just either troubleshoot, like if I'm doing it wrong, you don't necessarily have to come over. And they sent me photos of like, oh, yeah, you just open it here and switch it and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I've been doing. And I cannot get this this stupid little thing open. I can't do it. Um, So I had to ask for help and have them come over and change the battery for me. Uh, So that was another thing, like, of all the things I'm going to have to ask for help for this year while my husband is gone, did not ever think it would be the battery in my fire detector. I'm super capable of changing the battery in my fire detector, I used to think. (laughs) So as I held the inquiry for most of the day, it felt like I had that aha moment, not necessarily when I was sitting there with all of my focus on it. I'm like, what is it? Why is it? What is happening? What am I not seeing? But sometimes just holding the inquiry and going about your day, it's kind of like when you lose an object, right? Like you lose your keys, you need to go somewhere, you're looking for your keys, and you get more and more and more frustrated the longer you look and you can't find them. But when you lose something, like maybe you set your husband's wedding vows aside and then 
you stop looking for them and you stumble across them, that's typically how it goes. Things bubbling up from the subconscious is the same way. So I also encourage you to not belabor it. Like just know it's gonna come in divine timing. You can journal, you can, again, the tapping, the light column activation can definitely open your awareness. Those are tools that we have out there for you guys to support you. Um, but also just generally being curious, looking at the signs and symbols of things that are going on around you in life, looking up what are the, what's the spiritual meaning of that, everything's a little clue. Like life is this fun little puzzle and we just get to put all of the pieces together and learn the things as we go. It's when we judge that it's frustrating or it's not happening on time, like that's uh, my greatest response. Other people out there, you probably have your own um, typical respect may be different than mine. Maybe, you know, it's more shame-driven response. But when we attach a judgment to it, that's when we lose the playfulness and the magic. And so I really encourage you to simply just be an allowance. Be open to receive. Locking in that it's absolutely going to come to you in the most divine moment. And just have fun with it. See what happens around you. See what little signs you get. So I hope that helps, Tracy. I'd love to hear more from you when you find your answer and how that came through for you. Another question from Renee in Florida. Hi, Renee. You wrote that I'm feeling, uh, I feel overwhelming amounts of shame and embarrassment letting people in and seeing me at my worst, I don't know how to resolve this. There is something so sacred and scary about letting people in at our worst and seeing us at our worst. But it is so powerful because it's so relatable. That is the biggest thing that I have learned in stepping out and sharing our story this year. And I had shame and embarrassment and fear, tons of fear. And I never shared details of my life so openly, so honestly, so transparently. And it was so healing. So I encourage you to start with maybe it's one person. Because when you're working into feeling comfortable enough that, like, I've been hearing this a lot around me in in different calls I've been on, turning your mess into your message, so essentially owning the purpose and what you're going through. Sharing that with someone very trusted that isn't going to judge you, that isn't going to shame you, that isn't going to do anything but hold space or encourage, remind you of your truth. So choose wisely so that you don't open yourself to someone who may unintentionally even wound you. But looking at 
what's the purpose in your worst? And I just want to take a second to tune in because I feel like there's something else specifically to share message-wise with you. I have no idea what your childhood was like, but that's essentially like the messages around, um, you know, like if your family swept things under the rug and always presented a certain dynamic to the world, like whatever constructs within your mind that have been created, that seeing you at your, you know, worst is inappropriate or not allowable, I would really start with reprogramming your beliefs around that. Because the truth is, is that we all have the cycle from light to dark to light, just like day, day to night, back to day, right? It's part of our evolution. It's part of our growth. And as I was talking about labeling, being at my worst, it's just a part of your cycle. So we've also talked about the universal laws of the rhythm and flow here on the show. So everybody goes through that cycle in life. And it's not actually being you at your worst. If you look at it more as you being in your winter, being in a season, being in a portion of your cycle, of your evolution, would it be easier to safely share that with a very trusted individual? Because every human has that. Every human has the parts that they love about themselves and the parts that is harder to embrace. And starting, you could also do mirror work around specifically, like, what are those things at your worst? And look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know, I love you. So for me, pretty impatient person, I love you when you're impatient. I love you when you're dramatic. (laughs) Those would be areas I would have to start doing work with in the mirror. So whatever it is that is your worst, looking at yourself and loving yourself, owning yourself, every version of yourself. I actually even just posted about this on social media today. Loving every version of you the same. And once you're embracing all forms of yourself, then it's not so scary to let other people into all those forms. This is just you. And all of them is beautiful. And choosing to go where there's places that have space for all of those forms is going to be very empowering for you versus especially if this was something from childhood, you know, like don't cry, don't throw a tantrum, don't this, don't that. Like a lot of parenting, unfortunately, doesn't teach children, okay, yes, you're angry. Here are some different ways to appropriately feel angry and to appropriately behave when you feel angry. Okay, you're feeling really shameful. Here are some appropriate ways to behave 
and to deal with the shame, right? But oftentimes we're just told, don't feel that way, don't behave that way. It doesn't matter. It's not that big of a deal. And so we do the same thing to ourselves as adults, and we don't want to see those parts of ourselves because they were never acknowledged when we were children, and we repeat it. So seeing all of the parts of yourself, loving all of the parts of yourself, there is no worst. It's an illusion. There's just the easier to embrace parts and the parts that you're learning to love yourself more with. So I hope that's helpful. Mindset will go a really long way with all of that. Um, But it's not just convincing yourself to think a thought. When I talk about mindset, you guys know that have been following the show for a while. It's about the belief. It's about truly believing that all, all forms of yourself are beautiful, not just telling yourself that. But if you're using affirmations, for instance, it may start with the practice of telling yourself to lock in the belief. So embracing the process. It doesn't necessarily all happen with the snap of a finger, but if you do want a quicker process to move through those things, to lock in those mindsets that work for you, we are all about that and stronger together. And there is a platform of 15 to 20 tools that you guys can use go back to the recordings and walk yourself through them to transform and let go of the shame, to lock in those beliefs, to lock in the thoughts into beliefs, all at your fingertips. So if you're interested in that, you can find the information about Stronger Together at www.seriouslyradiantsoul.com. Our next Stronger Together call is tomorrow. We don't usually have them on the fifth Thursday, but we did because of Thanksgiving, so you guys can get in on that next healing experience live with us tomorrow night. It's going to be amazing. We are focusing on money, abundance, wealth, richness. So rich. It's so good. Okay, so let's move into psychology and research of serving, of giving, And let's start rewriting a new story around asking for help. Because on the other side, like we talked about earlier, on the other side of asking for help is the person giving the help. And so looking at yourself and thinking about which is easiest. And it sounds like from the people writing in, and I am in the same boat with you guys, my friends, Asking for help, receiving is much harder for me than giving. I'm also a living testament that it can get so much easier. It's totally doable (laughs) to work through that. So the science of serving shows us, and this is study upon study upon study upon study upon study, saying the same thing. This isn't just a one-off. So serving others promotes happiness, it increases self-esteem, it, and it also increases social connection, of course, because we're community people. It decreases stress levels, it decreases blood pressure, and it, this is so cool. It even shows in research that it can help people live longer. So what if when you're asking for help, You're thinking about the gift that you're giving to the other person, a gift of happiness, a gift of a little 
boost of self-esteem, connecting with them, you're lowering their stress level and you're lowering their blood pressure and you're adding days to their life. Isn't that an amazing gift to give to someone else? And how many of us think about that when we think about having to ask for help? I certainly did not yesterday. I'll just be very, very, very honest. Like that did not come top of mind when I'm like, oh my gosh, here I am again. I have to ask for help. Oh, this journey this year, I feel like I probably haven't had to ask for help nearly as much as what I could have. It's just been the moments when I've had to ask for help haven't necessarily been what I expected them to pop up. Um, I got locked out of my house one day, um, which was not totally because I didn't have a way to access my house, but I left in my car and I left my extra house key on my kitchen table. Cringe. Maybe someone out there needs to hear this story if you're one of those people that you just leave with the technology and you're like, oh, I'm good, I'm fine. Like, please grab an extra key and put it in your purse or your vehicle or whatever. Have it with you. So the electricity actually went out, and it went out maybe two minutes before I got home. And there was a storm. There was lots of lightning. I did not even notice as I was driving through the subdivision that no streetlights were on. Like, I'm completely oblivious to the fact that the electricity is out. And I'm like, oh, please, 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 did I leave the back door open? So I get out, and I'm walking around in the rain. Everything is locked. And I had to go to the bathroom so bad. My bladder is so small. And so I called my neighbor and I'm like, I don't even know how I'm going to get in my house, but I'll figure it out later. I just, I like, I have got to empty my bladder so I can think straight again, right? Like, (laughs) haven't we all been there at some point in time? So I called my neighbor and I'm like, hey, I'm locked out of my house. Uh, My garage door won't open. And she's like, oh, yeah, the electricity's out. I'm like, really? I was so happy because I did not have to, um, you know, drill out or call a locksmith or whatever to deal with my lock. I was able to wait it out. And once the electricity came back on, I was able to get back in my house. But it's, it's in these moments that we don't necessarily expect to have to ask for help. Our brain doesn't go to the recognition of, oh, I'm giving someone a gift of a longer life. This is amazing. They should be so grateful for me and my need for help, right? But that's true. Um, So like I talked about earlier in answering one of the questions, as we get into ways to make asking for help easier, some tangible things you can do, build the habit I love challenges, like set up a challenge, 21-day challenge, 10-day challenge, a seven-day challenge, like whatever. Ask for help in some small way. It can be simple. Maybe it's an accountability partner. You have a goal and you just want someone to just to witness, like, hey, can you check in on me every couple of days, once a week, whatever it is for you. I am sure there is someone who would love to support you in just simply saying, hey, how's that going? Are you making progress? Maybe it is asking for her shopper to get something off the top shelf, right? (laughs) Like there can be a simple little ask. Maybe you have um, 
a house project or you want to try a new salon, just asking for a referral of where to go, what business in town, a new coffee shop to check out. Like there's so many little ways to ask for help that you can do to start building the habit. Let it be easy. Let it be simple. Let it be, you know, not super burdensome to you, but just do it. Another way is be specific about your request. Like let people know what is, what is the thing that you need as you let go of control, right? So here's an example of what I mean by this. So you're going through a situation, maybe you just need some emotional support. Well, what does that look like? Because if you just tell them like, oh, I just need emotional support, one thing that stops people from helping is not knowing what to do. So if you say, I need emotional support, there are probably no fewer than 10,000 ways that they could do that. But if you tell someone like, hey, will you just send me a random text with an inspirational quote once a week, once a day, like whatever that is, right? If that's what does it for you and encourages you, it's so simple for them just to find a quote or maybe it's um, a Bible verse or like whatever speaks to you, right? Or going for a walk together, having that time. Just be really specific. And then normalize receiving. Whatever comes around your way, you'll be amazed at how many offers of help or just offers in general that you likely encounter that you automatically shut down with answers such as, oh, I've got it, that's okay. You know, you're so busy. Like someone opening a door simply, like acknowledging that, really receiving it, saying thank you, instead of just being like, oh, you know, someone was coming out of that building and I was going in, we just met at the same time, it's no big deal. Like really receiving that little nugget from the universe. So normalize receiving and say yes to whatever filters into your life instead of buffering it away. And then take the, if, if you ask for help and someone tells you no, take it as feedback. Remember, everything is feedback. We're just living in a big old feedback loop. So, you know, maybe the timing was bad. Maybe they weren't re- equipped to help you. You can learn how to make a better request for help when you're told no. So just let it be feedback for you. Okay, so I told you that I was going to give you an analogy. We're going to do that. We're moving to the top of the hour, so we're not going to get to the personality Enneagram stuff. That was a little bit of a disappointment, but you all out there might not be Enneagram people anyway. Um, So I like to look at giving and receiving, and I mentioned this earlier. I wasn't even thinking about it. I really believe it. Like, life is this big puzzle, right? And we're not meant to do it alone, which is a really beautiful thing that the Enneagram highlights through the different personalities where some naturally give, some naturally receive, people who are really optimistic, people who are troubleshooting everything that could go wrong, people that just want to get it done and be efficient, people who want to feel the full experience of life. Like we're all these beautiful, very individualized pieces of the puzzle. And so you're just looking for that piece that fits. 
it's just an adventure to find the piece that fits because you're not like you're beautiful and you're amazing and you're unique and you're incredible but you weren't meant to be an individual puzzle piece on the table by yourself you're meant to be this big beautiful bold puzzle that could be glued and framed and hung on a wall you're meant to be a part of something bigger and asking for help is allowing people in it's finding that puzzle piece so that you can connect and be a part of something bigger and beautiful and they get to live longer and be happier and have a higher self-esteem in the process everybody's winning <laughs> and that story of i'm just going to do it myself pulls you out of community it it pulls your puzzle piece out of the big picture so hopefully that gives you guys a ton of different angles to look at asking for help so the next time like tomorrow when you begin your asking for help challenge you'll feel bold you'll feel confident you'll feel positive about it and you can start letting go of those old stories that it means something negative about you because it absolutely does not it doesn't and people love to give and like i said earlier you're going to be so surprised at how many yeses you get you're going to get so many yeses especially especially when you believe that people love helping you I'm a little bit disappointed that we didn't get into discussing the spiritual side of it, the help from the other side that we get. Oh, that would be an incredible conversation that perhaps needs to be just its whole own episode to honor all of the help that we get from the ethereal realm. And we'll do that sometime soon. So in closing, my shameless plug, I am really... I've been keeping a hidden secret from you all for a long time. If you guys haven't heard of the Healy device, it is a bioresonance device that's FDA approved and it emits frequencies into your energy field that supports your chakras, um, your mindset, your physical health, your emotions. It's delicious. It runs a scan and it tells you how your chakras are functioning and it gives you a report of what thoughts what you could be experiencing and it also gives affirmations of how you can shift the energetics of the chakra all in this handy dandy little device it's so cool so i am going to be doing a healy holidays offering and you can have the healy scans or you can have healy scan and mini energy work with it if you're interested in that i welcome you to reach out to me individually i don't have anything up on my website yet about it or on social media yet about it that is coming december December's right around the corner and i'll be launching that in december so you guys get an early little sneak peek into it maybe if you're curious if you have any questions jump into some healy holiday support to make your month of december really enjoyable thank you so much for joining me here this evening i hope this topic has been so helpful to you and next week i will be back by myself i almost said sj would be because we usually rotate every other week but it's the first wednesday of the month so i'll be back next week we're going to get into decision making 
And until then, friends, keep your eyes wide open. Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show.